0: you all very shortly thank you we'll talk to you soon
1: make sure today that you leave this place knowing that you are saved to the glory of God Thanks. that one I'm going to choose if you believe that friends you don't know the gospel is that the wonder of the cross is that no one gets injustice if you if you end up under the wrath of God it is because you've rejected his provision for you and you are justly punished for your sins.
0: To what the scriptures teach, I think the Bible does teach that God desires the salvation of all men. and He has provided uh, for uh, the, the salvation of all men. And therefore, anyone who, who ends up under the wrath of God, it is because they have rejected his provo- f- provision for them and they are justly punished for their sins. So
2: the question my- that pro- seeks to provide an answer to this question for whose sins did jesus die the extent of the atonement asks the question for whose sins did jesus die there are only two answers two possible answers to that question either jesus died for the sins of some people or jesus died for the sins of all people
0: hey welcome to making the hedge guys this is uh josh gibbs i'm your host and uh, tonight's kind of going to be a special night for those of you who are viewing live. And uh, for those of you who may not be viewing live, but I'll tune in later and catch this on uh, the back end. Uh, this is, uh, you, may have, you may have seen it in the title already. Uh, the title for tonight's conversation is uh, Messianic Jew Converts to Christianity. And it's kind of a little bit different from uh, what I've done in the past. In the past, uh, we've been doing a lot of debates lately. Um, typically it's been centered around uh, the difference between the traditional view and the calvinist view of different aspects of soteriology Uh, whether it be limited atonement uh, free will we've done the total depravity or total inability of man Uh, so if you get a chance go back and check out some of those videos as well Uh, but i would ask if you uh if if you would if you're viewing this uh, to like and subscribe and share this video so others can see it as well and we can get the material out there but um, tonight, we've got a really, uh, I think it's a pretty cool story. I haven't heard the whole thing. I've just heard bits and pieces, but um, I've got him up on the screen with us now. His name is Ethan in English. So, Ethan, welcome, man. Thank you. It's uh, its good to be here by the grace of God. Absolutely. Sweet. So, um, now, let me ask you this. It's going to be real light tonight. It's, I mean, it's not really the debate format where we're you know, trying to um, get both sides of of uh, I'll prove my point. You prove prove your point. And now let's prove each other's points <laughs> wrong and ho- see who wins the debate. That's not what it's supposed to be. We're just going to have a, a light discussion, get to know each other a little bit, and talk. And uh, there's not a set timeline, but whenever we feel like we're done, we'll just wrap it up and and hang it up. But, uh, anyways, I do appreciate you coming on tonight. I know that you um, you were actually on a flight. Uh, earlier today, you actually you t- you tweeted me and said, "Hey, man, I'm getting on a flight." I'm and tweeted me a, an answer back to a question I sent you, and so I appreciate that. By the way, welcome and thank you for uh, taking the time after you know a, a full day of travel. Like everyone knows that that's not fun <laughs> thing to do. So,
1: absolutely, yeah, no, it's it's definitely a, an honor to uh, be able to share my testimony uh, because I. I I believe firmly that uh, regardless of uh, of what soteriology that we ascribe ourselves to, ultimately, uh, we preach Christ crucified. And our, our lives are the, uh, the, the the things that we can see uh, here to prove that we are walking with the Lord. And, and, and to be able to share that with others, I, I hope and I pray that, uh, you know, the gospel is is preached at least in our conversation because that's really that's all what's worth talking about. In, in the yeah. end, it's talking about Christ crucified and and just how He died for all of us uh, so that we can uh, be forgiven of our sins by His grace. Amen. And that's that's what's so important to me.
0: Well, we can agree on that. So, uh, and I plan on getting into some of those finer things if we have time. If not, that's that's there's nothing wrong with that. I just kind of want to hear your story and go from there. Oh, sure. So, Now, before we get too much uh, in-depth into this, guys, um, I'm going to play a video. This is something that actually came across my YouTube feed, and I want to share it with you all. Just just one interview that this guy did, um, and uh, really what it is is it's it's a Jew in Israel who takes questions from people who want answers from a Jew that they don't understand. So um, in this case, people were sending in questions to him um, on who is Jesus to you? That was the question. So he would go around and he would actually interview Jews and he he, he went to Palestine and he interviewed um, some Muslims and asked that question who is Jesus to you? Uh, so that's the question and uh, I'm gonna play this video for you guys and, and you'll see some of the answers. This is from an Orthodox Jew. Uh, I don't know uh, maybe this is something Ethan that you can clear up for us what the difference between an orthodox and a messianic Jew is um, after we come back from this video. So let me transition to this, okay. put it up on the split screen, and we will get her playing here.
2: The first
3: is, who is Yeshu, the Jews? born و و عم نوصل لك خوتو كي منيكsالهم اوكي اا التوائم شو لو نولد مي مي ميما
2: بخللو
3: שלו
2: من ابا كيلو
3: ابا سلو الهويم كان if you get
2: Yosef. He was Yosef. I
3: he
2: spoke. Of course, I don't know about Okay. in specific prophet. I don't know okay. Uh, okay. Asking, don't the task Okay. Okay. אתה יכול לדבר על זה?
3: למה אנחנו לא ממינים שמה?
2: שהוא המשיח
3: למה כן? למה שנאמין? מה, מה, מה הסבר שהוא כן המשיח?
2: אני לא יודע, אני לא נצריך אני לך <laughs> אבל יש להם בטח סיבות, <laughs> אבל <laughs> למה הוא לא? Okay. אני אוכל להתבקח אותך, דברים, שתגידי לי את אני לא יודע מה התענות, אין לי מושג. אני צריך להכין מראש, סורי. סורי, נוצרים, אין לי מושג. אבל יש, כאילו, למה הוא לא? מה צריך להיות שהוא משיח, או שמישהו יהיה משיח? הוא לא משיח. אוקיי.
3: עכשיו, התענה שלהם משיח,
2: הוא יכול למיד
3: על שהוא לא נולד מהם, לא
2: אני יודע שו בABLE מתלחקם בבית של ישי, 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 kilu, מבית הנחון, זה, זה לא יודע. אבל זה רק לדבר
3: על גבי ההידוד, זה
2: לא משיח. אז מי יכול
3: אחד לא יודע. מי לא אומר,
2: מי לא יודע. מה אומר? מי לא אומר,
3: מי לך יודע, יודע. ah
2: okay. I do No, me, I have to say, I have to
3: say,
0: I have to to be x, y, z. No, no, say, I have to have to say, I have to say, I have to say, I have I have to to so I have to say, I to um, I'm not sure if you could actually see um, uh, from where you, what your, where your view is, Ethan, um, what the the captions were saying because obviously all of that was in Hebrew. Um, but uh, it sounded like you were uh, kind of tracking along and understanding what they were saying. Do you speak Hebrew? Uh,
1: yeah, I do. Um, I wasn't able to see it, so I pulled it up on the uh, the live stream so I, I could see. read the read it. And uh, fascinating, because this is a perfect example of uh, the scales over the eyes yep. that the Jews have. Uh, this uh, the, the particular Jew that he's talking to is a Hasidic Jew, which is the ultra-Orthodox. Okay, uh, That means, uh, in terms of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they yep. lean more on the Pharisaical side instead of the Sadducee
0: okay. side. Uh, so, the so, Pharisees like would be the guys who believe there is a resurrection. The Sadducees would be the guys who don't believe there's a resurrection. Cor-
1: correct. Absolutely. Uh, the, the Pharisees are more spiritual. Yeah. The Sadducees are more literal. And we yeah. see that even in Christianity today. There's some people that don't believe in the, the eschatology of, yeah. of the Scripture. And uh, there's people who believe in the literal eschatology. Yeah. I would be uh, one of those uh, people. I would, in essence... Be a Pharisee versus a Sadducee.
0: So you're more spiritual rather than literal. Uh,
1: I take I take prophecy literally. Yep. Okay. Uh, and so that means uh, you know if there's some typologies, we're, we're going to get into that a little bit in the future. Uh, I, for example, if we talk about the Book of Revelation, there's prophecies that I believe are going to be quite literally happening the way that it's written in Revelation. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. Yep, absolutely. So, um, one thing that I wanted to uh, kind of hit on was, in that video, you've got... Ba- it, it, it's a Jew who's not a Christian, uh, I mean a Christian, is interviewing other Jews, and, and he's interviewing other Muslims, and uh, mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the same question to everyone. He's not claiming to be a Christian, he's just going around asking the question, he says, who is mm-hmm. Jesus to you? And he asks this, you say, a Hasidic Jew... Um, and I'd like to know what uh, Hasidic is. If could you could you tell me what a Hasidic Jew is? He's Hasidic Orthodox, but, is what you said. Uh, Hasidic Hasidic means Orthodox. Oh, I see. It, th-
1: that means unorthodox. Uh, a Jew. It's ultra Orthodox. There's uh, in terms of the denominationalism of of Judaism, you have Hasidic, which is ultra Orthodox. Then you have Orthodox Jews, which they're not as uh, strict with the law, it, mm-hmm. and so the. The adherence to the law determines which denomination you fall under. Then they have Reformed Judaism, which is, uh, I would say, uh, in comparison to our worldly churches, uh, churches that don't necessarily preach the gospel fully. They preach more of a, a friendly message because they want people to come and sit and listen. Uh, you, you'll find a lot of those synagogues. Muslims would, uh, Muslims and Christians would be able to go sit down and not be offended mm-hmm. by what the rabbi is talking about. Most of the time, they talk about uh, uh, topical applications. What do, what can we use with the scripture to make our lives better? Here, kind of similar to uh, a Joel Olstein message, or you know, one of those n- not necessarily a, a, a very strong gospel standing foundation. I just a very you. topical application. But the ultra-Orthodox would, would be similar to us Orthodox Christians. We stick to what the Scripture says, and we don't want to delineate anywhere uh, away from the Scripture.
0: Mm-hmm. I see. So in this video, this guy, essentially he's getting a lot of different answers. I only played one uh, particular person uh, who gave an answer, and, and essentially he's saying no one knows. Who, if Jesus was the Messiah, no one knows who the Messiah is. But he doesn't mm-hmm. believe he is the Messiah. So mm-hmm. the reason I wanted to play this this particular interview was because that's it, it, the guy answered with a question. He and, mm-hmm. and he essentially said, uh, no one knows. He who does know won't tell, and who he who doesn't know will tell everyone. You know, and I and mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty telling because um, essentially, and he leads up. He says, well, is Jesus the Messiah? He says, we don't know. No one knows. Mm-hmm uh and and then Ed, he leaves it off with well how will you know who the messiah is why can't we know if jesus is the messiah and he mm-hmm. says well when when the messiah comes we, we will know and he says well what yes you, how will you know is there a sign is everyone's <laughs> looking for a sign and right. and essentially he says there will be no sign we'll just know uh, so yeah. that's my question to you is how how you, as a Jew, which, what kind of Jew would you consider yourself? Would you be an Orthodox? Would you have been an Orthodox Jew, or where would you have fallen in that camp?
1: We were. I was a raised Messianic Jew, but we prescribed to ourselves the Hasidic uh, viewpoint uh, in strict adherence to Orthodoxy. Does that make sense?
0: It does. But, uh, so my question then, would be uh, the Messianic Jew, because some people, Christians today would think that a Messianic Jew is someone who believes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. How, how would you clear that up to someone? I would, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's,
1: that is one of the key problems that I had to figure out, and that is why I I basically left Uh, messianic judaism i didn't forsake my jewishness okay okay (laughs) i want to make that very clear because uh we believe uh that that jew the jewish blood not necessarily the jewish blood because in, in essence i'm i would be a child of israel i would be called a hebrew not a jew jews are prescribed that name because of the exile in babylon I agree. They were they were
0: called Jews. Oh, look at these Judes and then you get Jude's yeah. and Jews, and that's how. Well, you can even the- see the progression of those terms within the Bible itself. Because when Abraham was called out of the earth of Chaldees, he, he was a Gentile, and, and then he was converted. He, he was essentially the first Jew, but the mm-hmm. Bible doesn't ever call Abraham a Jew. It calls him a Hebrew. So he was the first. He was essentially right. the the first Hebrew a- a recognized mm-hmm. within Scripture, and and mm-hmm. after the captivity, they were it was it, they were later called Jews, um, right. which is it essentially went after the twelve tribes in a recognition that you are one of the twelve tribes. So, um, not I, I would
1: disagree. I would disagree with that
0: slightly. Yeah, correct and, and the me if I'm wrong.
1: I, I say that uh, is because uh, it's a fulfillment of God's promise that. Israel wouldn't have a place in history because the 10 northern tribes post-Solomon, the, the split up, yeah. they're, they're uh, disgusting a devotion to the idols. God just got fed up with it. He said, you don't love me. I'm going to mark you out for the time being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is why we here today, we have to look forward to the coming back of Israel. Israel is called back to the land. Israel is called... Uh, back to the covenant promise,
0: pointing towards the millennial kingdom. I totally so agree it, with you on that. Now, before we get into that too much, I want to ask you this question. Who is Jesus to you? Is he the Messiah? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, and, and how to did you find the answer to point, that, and for, how did it lead you to Christianity? Isaiah 53. See, my understanding is is that this uh, the in, in an American synagogue would teach you today. Either I've heard conflicting things on this, so correct me where I'm wrong. Um, e- either you don't you're not allowed to teach from Isaiah fifty three, uh-huh. or if you do teach from Isaiah fifty three, it has to be understood that this is about the Son of God who is the nation of Israel. <laughs> yes, I've heard both.
1: Uh, And I want to clear it up for you very, very wonderfully. And I'm going to use an example that I think that you could understand pretty easily. I'm going to point back to what you mentioned earlier about the discussion about Calvinism versus traditionalism. What are we, in essence, arguing here? We're arguing what one teacher said with what another teacher said. It's the same for Judaism. One rabbi says this, and if you're going to stick with the faith, and you want to believe what that rabbi says specifically, then you ascribe to what you just mentioned, this has to be about the the the, the Son of God, Israel. That's a, a blasphemous statement in and of itself, just to be honest with you, yeah. knowing, knowing what the truth is. But what really fascinated me was the perspective of uh, 53, mm-hmm. the pierced one. Uh, Christ was pierced for us. It's a historical uh, completion uh, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But when Christ says, Eli, Eli, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's talking about Psalm 22. So you can say, I'm not going to read Isaiah 53, but how are you going to tell me that you don't understand what Psalm 22 is saying? Yeah. And so, uh, and and I was glad to have this discussion earlier uh, this morning, where uh, someone on Twitter was saying, "Well, they didn't have the gospel. Paul didn't. Paul didn't exist, so the gospel didn't exist. But Paul taught from taught the gospel from the scriptures. And in Paul's time, they only had the Old Testament yeah. written down. They didn't have the epistles." for... Formally put together, we we both know that the canon wasn't put together until uh, Constantine. the the official canon that we see today. Well,
0: that's arguable, but uh, maybe we can maybe maybe I can agree with you just for just for argument's sake. But just I, for argument's sake, absolutely. But, well, I
1: didn't say I didn't say that scripture like the epistles didn't exist then. Uh, there, there's been proof uh, based off of right, Doctor right, right. John Barnett's research on Revelation. He says that that book in particular, uh, was taught so much by the first century church that if you gathered together the collective of all of the notes, uh, letters written about the sermons and the copies of the sermons, you can virtually transliterate the the entire book of Revelation before the destruction of all of the Bibles that happened uh, under one of the, uh, the Caesars. Yeah. Well, I can't remember who it was. Um,
0: but. I think it was Diadesius. Yes, Diadesius. Yeah. Yeah. Or, mm
1: hmm. So
0: here's what I would say. And, and so that would get into the textual criticism side of the argument. because right. uh, Arguably, the external evidence would be what is the Greek uh, evidence for the book of Revelation. And, and most scholars right. would say, well, the external evidence is so scarce and minute. That you have to turn to the internal, which is what you're referencing—the lectionaries and the various versions um, that were uh, that were Latin copies, they were Ethiopic copies, they were they were all over the place. Um, Right. Which you know I think is probably you know I'm obviously a traditional text guy as well, Um, and and I think that that is very significant support for not only the Book of Revelation but the traditional text as well. But Anyway, Absolutely, so I agree. One thing that you one thing that you you mentioned earlier, um, it, that Jesus Christ uh, being the Messiah, um, established the church, and in the it, it led to the establishment of the church, which is separate from the nation of Israel. I want to get into that, mm-hmm. but I want to I want to touch on that real quick because. In that in that video, if you guys if, if you go into that video, I'll put it in the description, so you'll, there will be a link into it for those of you who are watching or will watch later. Um, in that video, there's there's one guy who he interviews. There's a couple that's at a restaurant, and he asks them this question, and he says, "Well, Jesus is really a uh, um, a neo or a modern day a modern Jew or a reformed Jew, <laughs> and so he reformed Judaism." And uh, he brought a new message to reform Judaism, but he says Paul actually established the church. Jesus did not establish the church. So,
1: oh, that's that's I'm I'm gonna just put my word of caution on that there because the, uh, that's heresy right there. But yeah, I don't wanna ascribe to that, but I would I would see your point though.
0: So, what do you say to someone who says Jesus just modified Judaism and Paul completely took Jesus' message and transformed it into something completely separate? Okay, uh, I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna answer your question with this qualification. Jesus is the Son of God. Yep. And anybody who ascribes a human to the level of the Son of God is just as guilty as the devil himself, who wanted to be like God. Yeah. Uh, it's extremely Amen. careful, uh, extremely dangerous to. To put any man at the same level of, as God, and that's 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 scriptural. Uh, both even on, on the Jewish side, there on the Orthodox side, you, you you could be stoned for saying that, and even on the Christian side, uh, you would be called a, a wolf, a false prophet, or a false teacher, uh, and so that's 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 the qualifier that I would say to the person that does do that. I would strongly encourage them. Uh, I'm not challenging anybody's salvation by no means. But if you do ascribe to that that school of thought, I would highly encourage you to continue to read scripturally, interpret the scriptures the way it's supposed to be. And I'm talking about, uh, I I, kind of take a literalist point of view when it comes to that. Uh, You take what the words are written on the page And those are written in the original languages uh, for a reason. The uh, inerrancy of Scripture is based off of the original text, not the translations. And uh, my Jewish perspective on that is is that as well. When we study the Torah or the Pentateuch, uh, which is the first five books of the Bible, those words were written uh, with such care and uh, protection for exactly what the word mean. Meaning uh, a scribe who would write the Torah would study almost 20 years on how and why and the words and the letters, everything is formed exactly and kept protected perfectly.
0: Mm. Which it was numbered. We, Every,
1: everything was numbered. Exactly. Exactly. And, and for us, uh, for us as Christians, this is a critical element. Because of that care and attention to detail, we can verify the the translation uh, by going to the original text without any uh, any kind of commentary to to change. We can argue about uh, translations in the New Testament, but I come
0: from. We can't argue about translations from
1: the Hebrew. Yeah, there's not much
0: dispute on the Old Testament, the validity of what is canon in the Old Testament. But you've got a grant that there are absolutely some passages that scholars would challenge in the Old Testament as actually being canonical. Um, And I think that's ultimately what the textual critic um, is arguing for when they come to variants within the New Testament primarily. And mm-hmm. uh, when you, when you're actually making decisions, like Mark the 16, the last 16 verses of Mark 16, um, or uh, the Pericope adultery, the woman caught in adultery, or even First uh, John 5:12, um, you know the Johannine comma. Um, those are the three most popular, what we would call, um, textual variants. That essentially, that's what the argument is: is what is canon? So mm-hmm. should it be in your Bible? Is it actually um, inspired words that were preserved. Um, and, and I think ultimately um, for me from my position, it, you can't even hold to the textual critical position without giving at least some um, credence to those earlier versions because you right. wouldn't even have the book of Revelation if it wasn't for those early versions. I mean yes. I mean and so it, it, I think that you could agree with that. Um, but I did want to ask you this. You, I, I asked, so what actually led you from uh, being a Messianic Jew to Christianity? And and you talked about Isaiah fifty-three and Psalm twenty-two. Um, but I'd like to hear you expand on that a little bit more. So you you begin to question, like, is this Jesus? Um, yes, I'm, I'm taking it from that. Yes, but, but what actually led you to become a Christian?
1: Oh, okay. So let me. I'm going to answer it with with a little bit of a story. Uh, I was raised as uh, as a Jew, so I went through the Orthodox process as from a, a school boy to my bar mitzvah at 13. That means I have successfully completed at least 12 years of study to that point. Well, you would say 12 years. In, in reality, it's more like seven, because you start at five, and you go to 12, and then at thirteen, you present mm. yourself ready. You study the scriptures. You're a man at that point, right? Exactly. That's that's when they believe that you've reached that age of cognizance. Uh, mm-hmm. I would tend to have to agree because at that point, you know your left hand from your right. Yep. And that's what's that it. It's a beautiful picture in and of itself. Jonah and Nineveh. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going through the process uh, at this time thinking my god i have to do this i have to do that i have to stand up i have to sit down i have to bow i have to look a certain direction i have to eat a certain food i have to wear the certain clothes i have to do this and i have to do that and i have to do it absolutely perfectly in order for god to even look at me and and give me uh that salvation and i i fell i fell uh i fell hard uh i sinned against god um I, uh, I broke uh, I broke the law when it comes to, uh, you know, premarital sex when I was a teenager, and I said, you know, I was studying to be a rabbi mm-hmm. <laughs> at that time, so I said, oh my God, I, how, how am I supposed to even serve God if I broke the law so bad that I don't even think uh, that God would save me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I went through a really dark time, a really depressing time, because I was, the, the weight of the law on my heart was pushing me to the point of total annihilation. There was no hope for me. And then I was also raised, and this is why I say there's a there's a component in Messianic Judaism that we have to understand as Christians. Some sects, it's very individual. It depends on who the rabbi is and their interpretation of what the scripture says. But the sect that I grew up in taught a different Jesus. It taught a false Jesus. He, they taught that Jesus can't forgive you unless you follow the Torah, which is the Judaizer perspective yeah. that we read about in Galatians. And so, I'm, I'm absolutely hopeless. I was taught never to read the New Testament without the rabbi being there because only his interpretation is the interpretation that we can follow. Yeah. It Doesn't that sound awfully similar to, like, a Calvinism oh, or an Arminian? <laughs> it's, it's exactly the same way because you, you yeah. think, I have to be this in order to get that. And okay. that is absolutely, I would agree, that's work salvation. I think we can both agree on that. Yep. That doesn't say. Yeah. But I opened up the New Testament, and I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John consecutively mm-hmm. from the Jewish perspective. And I was just uh, amazed at the amount of love that this Jesus that I was told to mark out on my Bible, yeah. we would take a pen and we would mark out the name of Jesus on the Bible. Believe that. that is That was blasphemous to the utmost. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it showed me that I, I didn't know what I was talking about. So that, that happened about when I was 20, 20 years old. And so I'm, I am curious, who is this Jesus? Um, which one has the most originalist you know going back to that denominationalism finding the most authoritative person to follow to get behind to 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 trust so that I know that I'm going to be right with my lord um, and that's also a very bad view but at that time that's what I was going through and uh, I kept falling I kept sinning and I, and, and I was like I, I what I keep I'm trying to do what you want me to do, Lord, but I keep sinning, so I can't. I'm never going to get your salvation. That was my that was my mindset until um, one day I was listening to uh, a John uh, a John MacArthur sermon, and I know there's going to be some opinions out there about he's John a
0: Lordship salvation fellow.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. The um, and I would tend to agree. To an extent, and I will elaborate later, but just the perspective on Matthew 7, when uh, in that day, Jesus says, uh, they will approach me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast demons out in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? And Jesus says, the words that all Christians should fear, flee from me, for I did not know you. The um, That really woke me up. Mm-hmm. It woke me up because my understanding of what the scripture says is you can't confess Jesus as Lord unless you know that he is Lord. Mm-hmm. So it was it was an interesting kind of conundrum inside my head trying to figure that out until I realized exactly what the, <coughs> what the purpose of uh, or what the actual interpretation of that is. Those individuals were standing on their own capacity, and they were saying, Lord, Lord, I did this because I want to go to heaven. I, I'm doing this because it's it's good for me. And they didn't understand that grace is given by God, and so there's a bad perspective on yeah. what salvation is about. Uh, in that term, uh, I believe that in the Lordship salvation, because my re- relationship, and I would say your relationship with with Jesus is the same. Jesus. Is sitting on the throne in heaven right now at the right hand of God. Uh, and he is he's king, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean he de- decreased sin, by the way. Uh, I will watch that debate I video. That. <laughs> uh, and I, I would agree with your perspective
0: on that. Uh, but he's still king. And it is. By the is, way, you're not, you can't be a Calvinist if you believe that. What, that he's king? No, that he did, didn't decrease sin.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I I guess so. Well, like I, <laughs> I like I argue with people. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying. Some people would call me a Calvinist because of my perspective on election.
0: I don't think that you're a Calvinist. Um, from a I, lot of I,
1: things, I don't. I, I I don't. I would agree with you because I, I don't ascribe to any man's soteriology. Obviously, because my my testimony is I already did that and it didn't work for me. Yeah, I go off of what you know—the Christ's gospel. It's yeah. Christ. It's the gospel. It's the good news of the the, the crucified Savior that saves sins. So not-
0: I want to I ask you a couple of questions. But um, okay, so you were you, you read Isaiah fifty three, Psalm oh. twenty two, got you to question who this Jesus is. So you started to read the Gospels. You read the mm-hmm. four Gospels. You saw the love of God, um, mm-hmm. and and you begin to ask like, is this Jesus really the Son of God? Um, Which would mean that you're questioning, is Jesus the Messiah? Because that is who the Messiah is, and everybody would recognize the Messiah is the Son of God. Right. Um, So my question to you is, um, you've said now you're beginning to recognize who Jesus is. Now what happens next next in your story here? So I realized
1: uh, I was one of those... uh, Christians, when I read the four Gospels, I I wanted to be one of those that said, I raised my hand, uh, Lord, forgive me, uh, uh, said the prayer, go to the altar call, get down on my knees and thinking that that's the action that saved me, uh, which is also a bad perspective on salvation. Um, The... I learned at that point, uh, when I read Matthew 7, is... I had a bad view of uh, my Christian liberty. Uh, I was using my Christian liberty uh, as a license to sin, which is absolutely not uh, non-biblical. Because uh, how can I say that I'm saved and continue to live my life of sin uh, and enjoy my sin? And in reality, you don't enjoy your sin in fact, the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit causes you to to have a form of guilt that pushes you to the, to go to the Savior and say, God, please forgive me, I messed up again. You know, resting in that salvation. Uh, so in that perspective, I do believe that once saved, always saved. But not once saved, always saved, let me do whatever I want to do because I can't mentality.
0: Yeah, so you, you've you've said um, that you you were reading the four gospels that you you picked up a commentary from John MacArthur and you would agree with the Lordship salvation aspect, which I would vehemently disagree with. I think that that would bring you back under the bondage of the law uh, yeah. and the work salvation aspect of uh, look. But but beyond that, I, I mm-hmm. you said that you didn't you didn't raise your hand um, at an altar call. You you didn't do something that was openly public and saying, "Hey, I've 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 been saved." But I guess my question is like, when when did you actually believe that on the Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I've been thinking about that question for a while. Yeah, I knew about the gospel when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, because God God works in such amazing ways. A full gospel presentation only takes twenty-two seconds, mm-hmm. about the same amount of time that it takes a person to throw a seed. Believe it or not. Yeah, I can believe and, that. And so, what when that gospel presentation is is performed, and you just that tiny faith in believing in that,
0: I believe that you're saved. I want to get that clear. Yeah. Then. Sanctification happens see and I would say that lordship salvation does it reversed. They say that sanctification leads to Faith I would would agree with you. I I would agree with you. I think that's a bad perspective because
1: ultimately um, There there is And that's that's the determination of what what predestination Of foreknowledge means and I, I wanted to throw this in the the word Predestination in the Greek is prognostical, mm-hmm. which we get the word, the medical term, prognosis. Yeah, The doctor gives you a prognosis looking at your signs and symptoms and saying, this is what happens to somebody who had similar signs and symptoms. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that that's going to happen to you. That's just what the prognosis is. The wages of sin is death. That's a prognosis. Mm-hmm. That's, hey, you can sin, just know you're going to sin, and you're going to die. That's yeah. what that means. So obviously, I would agree with you. God can't decree evil because the punishment of sin is a righteous act by yeah. God, and that and, and, and you cannot have a holy God and evil exist in the same sentence. It's impossible. That's a bad view of holiness. Yeah. Amen. To, To to say that uh, that he he would allow, uh, one of the verses that I wanted to use when I was listening to your debate was, uh, all things are permissible, but not all things are to the benefit. And then all things work together for good for those who believe in him. God has ordained circumstances, sometimes difficult circumstances, but I like to use the perspective that as the gold gets purified, well, what is it purified by? It's purified by the fire. Yeah. And what comes out of the fire? Pure gold. Mm. And so that, in a way, everything has to go back to glory, glorifying God. God is not an evil God. God cannot decree evil. He can't live in evil. He can't stand evil. He hates evil. And he had so much compassion for his creation, us, the sons of Adam, that he sent his only son to die on the cross so that we shall be saved, shall we shall not perish, but have eternal life.
0: So if you take that position, you obviously wouldn't hold the limited atonement then. Absolutely not. I a- would
1: though I would though say that I would add the caveat: Jesus died for all who believe in him. Yeah. Because if he was if he died for all and he died for all, and and everybody is saved because of Christ's death. That would be universalism. That means a Hindu would be able to go to heaven, or a Muslim would be able to go to heaven.
0: Yeah, but that's not what the uh, traditional view is. Um, the traditional view says that Christ died for all, and and Jesus, I mean, even even in First uh, Peter, he says that Christ died for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And then he even goes on to say that. Um, the false prophets in the Old Testament and the false teachers in the New Testament denied the Lord who bought them. And uh, so there's a reference to um, the atonement being the purchase for sin, but it doesn't a- actually show any application of that purchase, um, which would be a reception of that gift. So
1: I would agree with you uh, 100%. I, so I guess you would be right. I don't believe in the limited uh, atonement in that perspective. You know, what's funny is... Uh,
0: Bollinger was a Calvinist, but he was also a Universalist, and uh, because he he saw that Christ died for all, so he said he couldn't get past the fact of the sufficiency-efficiency equation, which is the Lombardian form- formula, saying if it's sufficient and efficient, it basically is is deciphering what is sufficient and what is efficient. But right. it doesn't take into account the application, and so well, I would have, I would agree yeah. I would
1: agree with you. And, and it would have to it would have to be biblical to say all because if Adam and Eve's original sin is applied to us all in that we all die, yeah, then the sacrifice is the sacrifice of the Son of God is equally as sufficient to provide salvation
0: yeah. to all. I, yeah, that's First Corinthians five, I believe. Absolutely. So we would have to agree that I don't take the universalist,
1: I I disagree with the universalist perspective. That's to say that you don't have to believe in Jesus Christ to be saved. Yeah. Uh, That I disagree with. But in that same logical context, I believe that Jesus Christ died for me, therefore I am saved. And anybody who believes in Jesus Christ died for their sins. Yeah. Will also be saved. I would have to say that that's yeah. that's what the scripture means by that.
0: Yeah, I think that that would give you some problems with uh, the Calvinist view of election, <laughs> which I don't. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm that hated you would by. Take... I'm hated by all. Armenians hate me. Calvinists hate me. Hey, it's
1: all good because uh, I, at the end of the day, like you said before, uh, soteriology is not what saves. It's that gospel message that saves. Everything yeah. else is semantics. At a certain point unless the schematic becomes a heresy and then we have to diligently fight that heresy if you know what I mean
0: yeah I agree I think that's the job of the church is to contend for the faith and and, and it starts with on an individual level and you can't contend Mm -hmm. for the faith if you don't know what you actually believe and why why you believe it so I love I love what you said the individual level
1: because the, the the members of the church what's the definition of church for some people, the definition of a church is uh, is a church building somewhere uh, that you go to every Sunday. Yeah, That's not what the biblical definition of church is. We know ecclesia, the called out ones, kind of similar to, hmm, Abraham?
0: What yeah. did you say? Yeah. He was called out
1: yeah. of the land of Ur? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. We are the called out ones. The, it started with Abraham. It gave birth to Israel. Because God called them out, and he prescribed to them the ceremonies and and the rituals, which we find out later that he didn't care about the ceremonies and rituals. He wanted to have a relationship with his people. That's what he wanted. And the only way to do that was was through Christ, either in the Old Testament, for the Old Testament saints looking forward to the cross, and for the New
0: Testament saints looking back at the cross. Mm -hmm. So my question is, um, when when you when you came out of Judaism, you you had tweeted to me in a direct message that um, you actually had renounced your Judaism. What was the what did that look like to renounce Judaism? How did that affect you in your personal life? And uh, what when I guess my I, I guess I'm gonna go back to it again. Can, do you really nail down a time where you say? you know what, I, I became a Christian, I, not that you have to say date, time, place, but I'm just asking, like, did, can, can you nail it down, like, this, three I years ago, yeah, three years ago, three okay. years
1: ago is when I, I fully gave up any hope in myself, so that I should not boast in myself, but boast in Christ who saved me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and that's when I acknowledged that I fully accepted Christ, when I gave up everything that I could possibly do, knowing that I can't save myself, a pastor can't save me, only God through Christ can save me. For To answer your question, the day that I renounced my Judaism is the day that I renounced my obedience to the law. The law does not save. Yeah. And the, that day, and the, by what I mean by renouncing my obedience to the law in, in favor of obedience to Christ, in, in that having a relationship with him is what the commandment is, I would say that that's not a work. That's just naturally what happens to those who are genuinely saved by the power of the Holy Spirit through sanctification. Because you recognize that Jesus died for you and that you didn't die for Jesus. Yeah. Are you are not the righteous one that died, and it's a very humbling experience because God did not come for the strong; He came for the weak. Yeah. God makes the pride the prideful low, and the low, He raises the humble. So, I reject following the law or saying the law is what saves. Follow the law. I say I follow Christ. Therefore I do what Christ wants And what Christ wants is for us to have a relationship with him How do we have a relationship with him by knowing who he is? How do we know who he is by reading the scripture Amen. Yeah. by? By allowing the process of sanctification to change us in Romans 12 1 and 2 A creation of a renewed mind post salvation
0: yeah. I want I want to make that clear yeah. Post. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. Because I was going to say, I can see the tendency when you said I subscribe, I would sub- subscribe to MacArthur's lordship salvation. To me, immediately in my mind, I said, Well, you, you're coming from a Jewish background of obviously works salvation, and, mm-hmm. and you're you're recognizing that that's not going to save you. But you're, in my mind, I'm going to listen, man. You're going from one <laughs> works program to another. Right. <laughs>
1: right. It has to. It has to be post salvation. I'm of the uh, impression that the Holy Spirit, this flesh, uh, and we learn about it in Romans seven. Paul says, yeah. "I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to do."
0: Yeah.
1: That perspective is, I have two principles. It's not the two will theory. It's two principles. No, it's I have a two. Flesh natu- principle. I would
0: call it two natures. You've got the old, two natures, man, and the exactly. new, the old man. Two natures, Exactly. The old man is pr- your sin nature. The new, exactly. which is present with you in this body, which probably right. even says, uh, the good that I would do, I, I don't do. The 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 things that I want to do, I, I can't do because wherever this right. body goes, evil is present with me. Absolutely. Until so that
1: glorious day that we're we're reunited with Christ with that glorified body, we're going to be fighting this sinful nature. Until that very day, and we look forward to that day, brother, don't we? <laughs> we yeah, just amen. I can't wait until we don't uh, we we finally get to do what I know our spirits want to do, and that's just to glorify God. Now
0: let me give I you the agree. prognosis for that. Because you're in Christ, you will be conformed to the image of his son, which is right. R- Romans chapter eight. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. So I don't know if you see predestination in the same way that I do. I mean, I would say that um, you're you're not predestined to either get saved or predestined to go to hell. Uh, That's double predestination, which is a double-willed God, but that you're predestined in Christ. All those who come in Christ, who become in Christ, are now predestined that this is where Christ is going. You're now in Christ. You're going with him. And you're going to be conformed to the image of his son, which is that glorified body that you're talking about. I, I Now, I Absolutely. would ask you this, be, because um, the Calvinist would say that that's the golden chain of redemption, that um, those who he foreknew, those who he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, um, and mm-hmm. those whom he glorified, those he also justified, which they would call mm-hmm. the golden chain of redemption in the fact that um, you were chosen to be justified, to be. Predestined to be, mm-hmm. it, and so um, really, it comes down to your definition of foreknowledge. Um, so, I, mm-hmm. I think that you and I would see it the same way, but I'd like to hear from you both, uh, rather than. I,
1: I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I I would be a liar if I said that uh, that you could do anything to put yourself uh, right with Christ. We would have to rely on the sanctifying of the Holy Spirit. After you've been justified by the sacrifice, um, the concept of the faith, I think, is where we would disagree. But in a way, I think we would, because you you can receive faith before regenerated uh, the regenerating um, or a renewed mind. Amen. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, I would use and I use Rahab the harlot as the prime example of this. Yeah, she wasn't a Jew. She wasn't an Israeli. Right, let me let me just. <laughs> I I don't want to call it Jew, because Jews didn't exist then. Yeah, but for
0: the sake of those who are watching. Right.
1: So, she wasn't a part of the nation of Israel, yet she
0: believed in the God of Israel. She did. But but the big question is, in Hebrews 11, where she's even mentioned, and she's the great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus Christ himself. Mm -hmm. But what's amazing about her story, and everybody else's story in there, in Hebrews 11, is uh, it says by faith this by faith this by faith Abraham mm-hmm. did this by faith mm-hmm. Noah did this and then by faith Rahab and and all these mm-hmm. guys that are listed and these women that are listed um, it it's faith always leads to action action doesn't always lead doesn't lead to faith so yes. I think that what and and to take that a step further it would be um, what was the difference between the object of Rahab's faith and the object of even Abraham's faith was it was it simply faith in I I would I would simplify it this way without making it confusing I would say they had faith in a promise they had faith in a promise they had faith yes. in a promise right. and that promise is what they put their faith in and obviously Job would predate any one of those and Job even right. said that um his redeemer lives and someday that Job right. even knew that he would have a new body you right. know so it's like Who's telling Job this? You know, who's telling Abraham this? Who's telling Moses this? Can I
1: can I blow your mind?
0: Dude, I want to blow your mind right now. You got it, man. In Revelation,
1: we in the very first. What is the Book of Revelation about? Jesus. About Jesus Christ. Yeah. Revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. The all the apocalypse, all of the end times, all of the eschatology, the destruction. Everybody wants to focus on that, but it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's so critical. Jesus Christ said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Yep. Do you know what that means? The beginning and the end. Right. If you look at the Hebrew, and I encourage you to do this, I really do, you're going to have your mind blown by this. The Alpha and the Omega is the first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. Right. The Hebrew alphabet is Aleph and Toph. Yeah. I, I wish I had a little script cuz I usually draw I teach Sunday school and I draw it in the Genesis one, 1 it says "Bereshit Elohim" seven words In the beginning God Elohim plural so th- th- we already have a, an establishment of a trinitarian well, just in the first Well that's
0: arguable because the the even 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 Jews, if if any of you go and listen to that video, there's one Jew who actually references the Talmud. And in the Talmud, they say that Jesus Christ is part of the divine council. The divine council could be, there's many references to the divine council as, as Elohim as well.
1: But Elohim, in and of itself, is the plural use of the word God. Amen, yeah. Agreed. Okay. It's the plural. So even if you say the divine council of God, that's a plural. That still acknowledges the plurality yep. of what Elohim is. Yeah. But what's fascinating is if you look at it in the Hebrew, after Elohim, you have Aleph and Tav.
0: Hmm. That's okay? interesting. I've never I've never seen that before.
1: When you look at it, you'll see the Aleph and Tav, and you'll know. That in the beginning, when Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, you'll see it in the Hebrew. Now, remember yeah. what we talked about earlier. Each letter in the Hebrew writing of the Torah, and I would prescribe uh, this as well, Talmud is commentary. Right. Torah is Torah. Yep. So I always lean on the Torah, not what the Talmud says. I agree with you. The The Torah itself shows Aleph and Tav. And if we're reading with that open eyes, with eyes that see and ears that hear, we know that the God that walked with Adam and Eve
0: was the unrevealed Jesus Christ. Well, take that a step further. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, it says that Jesus Christ formed that creation in the beginning. Exactly! What? <laughs> wait a minute you know what i i had taught that to the youth group one time and we had we had uh, we had some um some adults in there as well and the adults were like because i said god spoke it jesus christ formed it the holy spirit spoke life yeah. into it yes and it's like yes wait a second can you say that again i'm like i mean you'd never heard that before i mean but, you know, until you really think about it, like what you just presented to me in the Hebrew, um, in, in Genesis 1, which, by the way, is seven words in Hebrew, and in, in English, it's ten words, so it, it ten being the number of, it, it would be the number of the Gentile, seven being the number of the Jew, I don't know if you get into that side of it, but... there seven, uh, that's numerology, and yeah. seven is... Uh, number of perfection. Completion. Well, three mm-hmm. is completion. It depends on, yeah, you get different. It depends on, yeah. yeah. But... Yeah.
1: yeah, and Jesus is the Son, is the eighth one. Uh, he's the beginning, the new beginning, right. and the, the beginning. eighth, number eight is the, the eternal. That's why some people say that oh, you have the infinity. sin of the infinity. Um,
0: yeah, it just I mean, starts over. Eh, you know,
1: um, I'm, I'm into that kind of stuff, yeah, too.
0: <laughs> anyways, so I wanted to ask you a question. This is something that, um, that I, I think... It, there can be some clarity on it from a guy who actually came from Judaism to Christianity. What are you... So, there's two things I want to get at. Before I forget both of these questions, I want to, I want to present them both to you so you can hear them and then come back to them in whatever order you want to. The first question I would ask is, before we go to the next topic, um, if you've got some Jews uh, who have follow the religion of Judaism and you have one message that you can get across to them that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, how would you present that to them in in a convincing way? And number two is, um, how would you explain to the Christian the difference between Israel and the church? Because I think those are two conflicting things. You've got the Jew who doesn't recognize Jesus, and you've got the Christian who doesn't recognize Mm -hmm. the Jew.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's, let's, let's go with the, the, the difference between the church and Israel. And this is very critical because there's two elements that have to exist. The church represent, and I'll use uh, an Old Testament verse to, or passage to, to, to back this up. The church is to Enoch as Noah is to Israel. And in order to understand what I'm saying, you have to have a pretty good view of eschatology. Let me
0: stop you there real quick, because Enoch Enoch obviously was translated before the wrath of God was poured out in Noah's time. And uh, what's significant about Enoch even is in Genesis 4.26, it says, And men began to call on the name of the Lord. In Genesis right. four twenty six, so it, it, there's a lot. Of, there's so many things that you can look at before that point of what was the relationship man had directly with God up to that point, point in, right. in calling on the name of the Lord. But what is the name of the Lord? That's Jesus. So exactly. Here's exactly. my next. <laughs> here's my next point, uh, or, or, or question, I guess rather, and 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 um, what you're referring to is in the typology of Enoch being the church. He's obviously he was translated out. Uh, and, and he walked with God and he was not for God took him and then you've got Noah um, who represents his his family is essentially uh-huh. all that's saved he got on a note ba- uh, he got on a boat based off of the promise that God had told him he moved by faith to build the the boat knowing that judgment was coming that judgment um, would be now let me let me ask you this would that judgment be the great white throne judgment or would that judgment be? Uh, the wrath of God poured out on Israel in the Great Tribulation period and the preserving um, ark getting the nation of Israel through that wrath. Or where do you the, go with that typology? In that, that,
1: is a, that is the, the latter. I, I lean on the latter because there's the millennial kingdom that's coming in the future. Yep. In that day, they will call upon the name of the Lord. We know what the name of the Lord is. That is why...
0: Can you say it for a is- Jewish
1: friends? What? oh Yeshua HaMashiach Amen. Or Jesus the Messiah.
0: Yeah. Um the uh Is Jesus the Messiah for a Christian? Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I cannot you, uh, what do you say to Jesus, someone who says Jesus is not king? Jesus is not the Messiah. Jesus is uh, not the Lord of a Christian. He's simply my Savior. My heart my heart breaks
1: for them. Because either they're ascribing to a doctrine of demons, and they have not fully heard an accurate portrayal of the gospel, which we understand in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of Christ, the word of Christ. Yeah. Um, if they're not hearing that, that's why we have a, a very important role in going out and preaching the gospel to, to the nations, yeah. because that's, that's what saves but for the person that doesn't want to ascribe to the, the kingship of Jesus, they, they want to say, well, Jesus died on the cross for Israel only. No. Jesus died on the cross for all. Didn't we just say that earlier? Yeah. He, he died for all. So then obviously he's going to be your Lord too. Amen. Lord to the Jew. Lord to the Gentile. There's no such uh, divination between the two. But to answer your other question that you mentioned earlier, how do I accurately and faithfully present the gospel to a Jew? It would just to, to say that Jesus loved you uh, and he, he died for your sins, went, uh, was died and was raised by God so that you shall not perish but have eternal life. Romans 10:9. That I, I stick to that religiously. The scales over their eyes,
0: can only be removed by God. We saw that with Paul. Now let me let me stop you there. Can there they be is, lifted by God when the gospel is presented to give them the opportunity to hear and believe? Absolutely. I would absolutely agree with
1: you. So if you're going to present the gospel, but for those people that do present the gospel to them you say, "Well, Jesus is going to die. For, Jesus died for your sins, went uh, and was raised by God," if they don't. Accept that you already you planted that seed. Okay. If and and we know that in Romans eleven there is going to be faithful Israelis, not Jews, not just Jews, but faithful Israelis, faithful Jews that are gonna be carried through the tribulation. Carried through the tribulation at that day, the very last day of that. Seven-year tribulation that we read about in Zechariah and Ezekiel, and we read about it in Revelation and Isaiah. He will call upon the name of the Lord, and Jesus will come, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, at the trumpet call. Yeah. Uh, and that would be the establishment of the Messianic Millennial Kingdom. Yeah. And that is what a Messianic Jew looks for. That's the difference. Yeah. They're looking
0: for the kingdom.
1: But they, they believe
0: that they're still looking for the first coming and not the second. Coming. Exactly. That's which, the danger. Which would That's lead you to believe that in in Revelation – well, where does it where, – where's the reference that um, – I think it's First Thessalonians or Second Thessalonians 1 or – I always get it confused – where it says that um, um, there'd be a great delusion that would even deceive the very elect. That elect would be a reference oh, if, to the nation of Israel. if
1: – if they could deceive the elect, if it could deceive yeah. the elect. And the reason why that that's so critical is because once secured with the Holy Spirit, nobody can take you out. Because the Holy Spirit is eternal.
0: Yeah.
1: It's an eternality behind it. And so it's going to—and we're looking at it uh, today. I'm one of those people that believe in eschatology so much because I'm looking at the fulfillment of the prophecies today. We're seeing the fall. We're yeah. seeing the the road being paved for the Antichrist to come. And I gotta say, there's many people that are gonna fall for it, and that would fulfill Jesus' prophecy when he said, "Many will go through the gates that lead to damnation, but few will come to me. Few." Yeah. And and the reason is that it is because that um, the the anti the the purpose of the eschatology. Of the millennial kingdom, of the coming Antichrist, all of these things that still have to come just before we we reign with Christ forever. Now, I want to make it very clear. I want to make it very clear for everybody to understand. If you are in Christ today, you will
0: reign with Christ in that millennial kingdom. And, and I think it's First Timothy 4 that says, if we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. So exactly. Is, is that a conditional uh, reference to an inheritance that uh, your reign is conditional to your suffering? So there's some Christians who just say, you know what, I'm saved, I take it, and don't ever suffer for Christ. Um, <laughs> so that, that I would, would be something that I would <laughs> ask you is, would you say that that reign is absolutely guaranteed without any reference to service for Christ?
1: I would. I would have
0: to say so, because that's what God's promise is, and I'm not going to call
1: God a liar. Uh, For some, there is a persecution, there is a suffering, Uh, otherwise, why would the martyrs die for the name of Christ? Uh, There's so many martyrs, there's martyrs even to this day. There are Christians in the Middle East that are getting their heads chopped off by ISIS. I mean, I'm not going to deny the persecution in our country today. You could see it right now. You go faithfully preach the word of Christ, people are going to hate you for it. And Christ even said, people will hate you because they hated me first. And so that's a a critical component. I'm not saying, and I say all the blessings to those who haven't suffered that persecution, but I would say that all faithful Christians suffer a form of persecution because you're standing on the truth. You're always going to be confronted by people who hate the truth, and uh, for some, it's, it's it's a very scary experience. Uh, just 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 recently, uh, even in my end, I preached the gospel to my uh, sister, and she was like, uh, "You you annoy me so much. I'm going to punch you because you talk about Jesus so much." <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, that's just one example because. The, The gospel, people hate the gospel. The sinner hates the gospel because they love their sin. But we are faithfully to go out and preach the gospel. We can't use that, oh, I'm going to suffer to not preach the gospel. That would be counterintuitive to the purpose of the gospel. And I'm of the ideology that those who do suffer even to the point of death, death on a cross, that they're fulfilling the ultimate uh, testimony, and that is they died believing and knowing in their heart of hearts that Christ died for them. And if they had to die in order to demonstrate their love for the person that they're trying to preach the gospel to, then that's exactly what Christ said.
0: Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of things in in regard to... um, the losses that a Christian can have in eternity, um, I I don't think that that's ever a reference to your salvation. So I want to clarify that. I know there's some Christians out there who believe that you can lose your salvation based off of your works, which really leads me to question, what is the relationship of your works to salvation? Absolutely. Um, But my next next point is that uh, me personally, I do believe that um, and not service alone is, is relational to what your inheritance is um, regarding service alone. I believe that it has everything to do with um, the motive behind your service and uh, what is the motivation at, behind you moving. I think that it has to be by faith. If it's not a faith, then you made a reference oh. to it earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 um, that your work would be tried by fire. And then you've got gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. The wood, hay, stubble is going to be the works uh, right. that were man-made that are temporary, the things that you know are on mm-hmm. earth that would burn. The eternal things would be the things that uh, are, just get purified when they get heated up. And for the Christian, I think this. Um, I think that that picture of, of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego yes. uh, back in Daniel, those guys, yes. I believe those guys are a picture of the Christian going through the judgment seat of Christ because you've got fire there. And you've got some things uh-huh. being burned up. Now you've got what what is the bondage uh, of these guys? What bound uh-huh. these guys? That that was that that was burned. If, and but yet they were freed, mm-hmm. and yet the fire and the smoke didn't even touch their clothes. And, but, and Christ is in there uh, with them. But, exactly that so, I was
1: about to say. How how many people were in there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there was four, and because Christ was in there with them, that they said that the fire was so hot. That the person who threw them in died because they got too close to the fire, yeah. and that and that's just an amazing, amazing typology. But not just a typology at that point; that becomes a prophecy, a a, a, a very clear picture that we look at and we say, "That's exactly what's going to happen." Exactly. What exactly what you what you just mentioned?
0: So um, I would I'd, I'd use that to transition to. Um, something that I'm sure is, is precious and dear to your heart. Uh, I'm not sure if you want to share it. Just tell me if you do. If you don't, um, I would just ask you this: We, what were you flying back from? Where were you flying back from? Why were you on an airplane this morning? And was it good or bad news? And and you know, what the outcome of your that? was oh, I would love to tell
1: this story. How about um, it, man? Y- yeah, yes. Last week, uh, I've never. I have. Okay, my dad's Puerto Rican. Uh, I never got to go to Puerto Rico to see my grandmother, ever. Uh, he has some bad memories over there. He never wanted to go. Uh, he never wanted to go back and visit. And so he robbed uh, his mom, my grandmother, of an opportunity to meet me in person. And so I, I was of the impression that I was never going to meet her, uh, never see her, uh, that she was going to die. And I, I would go back to Puerto Rico and put flowers on her grave. Uh, but last week, I received a phone call from him just in tears. He said, son, uh, she's about, to, uh, Abuela's about to die. I, I, she's never met you. I, if yeah, if you want to come, come, and I'll help pay for you to come. And so I, and then he said, I, I got to go. <laughs> and so I'm like stuck thinking, because I have a lot of animosity in my heart for my, my father for doing that to me, because I never got to meet her. Mm. and. Uh, I talked to her on the phone all the time, so I know her voice, and I know her love from what she talked to me about, but it was just recently after I preached a sermon on going and preach the gospel with boldness, right, mm-hmm. uh, on Romans chapter 10, uh, how wonderful are the feet of those who bring good news, and I incur- I challenged the church that I was preaching, said, uh, you know, go out, go preach Christ crucified, preach Romans 10, 9. To, to everybody, because that's the gospel message, and that's the gospel message that saves. And don't be afraid of, of being hated. Don't be afraid of, I can't go do this because I don't have the money. Don't be afraid of anything. And I was waiting for that that time for that to just to just happen. So I get the phone call, and I call my wife, and I say, hey, uh, I just got a call from my dad. He said, well, uh, Awella passing away. Uh, should I go? Should I go to Puerto Rico? I mean, that's like um, a last minute trip, you know, like uh, just, hey, let me pick up my stuff and uh, go. I'm a truck driver. uh, And so I was in Indiana and uh, I knew that I would have to hop a plane in California to get to Puerto Rico. Uh, because I had to finish my, my job. I had to go at least do the delivery. And so she said, yeah, you got to go. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna call my sister. Now background on my sister is she hasn't spoken to uh, her father, my dad, for eight years. Uh, s- some terrible things happened between the two of them and they stopped talking. Uh, and there's, I've been working on the, the principles because I taught another sermon just before that about forgiveness And the importance of forgiveness and the importance of understanding forgiveness, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. For if we do not forgive others' trespasses, God won't forgive our trespasses. It's just an example of saying you can't really hold on to someone else's sin when God forgives you of your sin. That's what that that message was about. And so I called Shira, my my sister, up and I said, hey, uh, you need to go. Uh, abuela's dying and we need to go we need to be there and and go say goodbye and she was oh does dad want me to go is he gonna be okay And, and so she she bought the ticket uh for her and her fiance uh to fly out so first time in eight years my sister and myself are even going on a trip because i never talked to her either because she hated me that i had a relationship with my dad uh, so we hop a plane together last minute trip left LA on uh, Friday night got to Puerto Rico on, on uh, Saturday morning
0: yeah
1: and uh, we rushed zoomed right over and I said Lord if it is your will you will keep her alive so that your gospel will be spread and I just kept praying that because I I have I knew that I needed to go preach this gospel Uh to her, because uh, it was just that strong feeling. And We can get into cessationism and all that, but I knew that I needed to go do what I confessed myself to do. I'm a preacher of Christ and Christ crucified, and uh, I was I was saying, Lord, you're going to uh, you're you're going to do this on your own. This is this is going to be an amazing trip. The minute we get to go see my grandmother, my father embraced my sister and asked her forgiveness for hurting her. And I was like, "Oh my, okay. Here's here it is. Here's here's the first <laughs> the first answered prayer that they that my father would ask her for forgiveness. And just open up. And because we needed to be there to help hold him up. And I saw my, my grandmother and she was on the verge of death two days before, but she was lively that day. She was, you know, she saw me, she recognized me. There was, was great tears in my eyes. And, you know, there was a a pouring out of love from her to me, uh, whom she's never seen before. Um, and then later on in the day, I was able to sit with her, and I I told her, I told her, um, I told her uh, in Spanish, obviously, because she she, uh, she doesn't speak she doesn't speak very very good English. And I told her, Jesus loves you. Uh, he forgives your sins. Believe in His grace, and that He receives you uh, in His arms. Believe in faith that He walks with you. Into the gates of heaven and uh, she said uh, she she said yes I believe I believe it I believe Jesus forgave my sins so I was able by the grace of God to to do what I knew God meant for me to do which was to preach the gospel and to be that example of what the gospel of love and forgiveness is and my sister and my father, my father and myself, and my grandmother, uh, all were able to be comforted with the compassion that the gospel is. And um, that's why I'm living high on life right now. I am so full of energy because it was an amazing experience this weekend uh, to be able to do the will of the Father.
0: Amen, man. Hey, that's, that's pretty awesome. You can't beat that. I mean, seeing seeing a soul saved. I mean, you've got you've got a a, a few things that angels actually rejoice in heaven over, and mm-hmm. uh, one of those is the the salvation of a soul, and uh, I don't think that's by accident, man. I think that it's by I think it's by persuasion and a bold gospel uh, that is that's something that um, is meant to move the heart and mind of a man or a woman to understand that that the love of God. Is actually um, so beautifully entailed and entwined in the cross of Christ, and and that's even something that we were talking about in that debate. Um, mm-hmm. you, you talk about uh, the decree of evil um, in, in 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 relationship to the love of God, and is the decree of evil the love of God? And I, mm-hmm. I was really trying to be as careful as I could, um, but as bold as I could, to say no, they're not, and they don't originate. They, they originate from opposite ends of um, the spectrum that mm-hmm. in the examples given was Genesis fifty and Acts chapter four, uh, mm-hmm. with with Joseph and his brothers, Joseph being probably the greatest type of Christ in the Bible, and then yes. Acts chapter four, you've got the crucifixion of Christ and and uh, men and kings and all in the nation of Israel working against Christ to bring about the crucifixion, mm-hmm. and and I think that that shows so much that. Um, there is an actual will and volition of man to do what is evil without God decreeing them to do it, um, mm-hmm. which would mean that that God actually, in His sovereign power, has given man the ability to choose between good and evil and to bring it to pass, and uh, that's something that um, it, it, man is able to do. So I think that I think that when it comes to that, in in the in the cross of Christ, you've got evil working against good the evil is not originating from God, the good is. And Mm -hmm. so if there's someone who's listening to the uh, the conversation that we're having tonight and uh, what's being presented here, I think it's something that we can really say genuinely is this. The cross is not the greatest evil the world has ever, ever known, but the greatest act of love the world has ever known from God's perspective. From man's perspective, it may be the greatest evil the world has ever known yeah. because men murdered Jesus. But from God's perspective, he gave his son. He gave mm-hmm. his son. He didn't murder his son. And there's a huge difference there. The murder happened in the hearts and minds of men. The giving of the sacrifice of the mm-hmm. son was the love of God displayed on a cross for you personally that you can, ha- that you can know it was for you. So yes. I, I think that's a big difference in the message that's being presented there. Um, let me
1: and let me elaborate because I agree with you 100. percent Would Abraham be guilty of murder if he actually killed Isaac?
0: Gosh, man, I I think that I I I think that in the mind of a man you could take it there, uh, right. but in the mind of God, that's why He stopped him. Exactly. But you exactly. know, even even Abraham said this. He said to his son because his son asked him. He says. Father, where is the where is the lamb? And uh-huh. Abraham's response wasn't God will provide a ram. His his response was God, God will, will provide, provide a lamb. Lamb, but yes. a ram was caught in the thicket. Exactly. So there's your that typology, t- man.
1: That tells you, and that t- for the people that say the gospel didn't exist in the Old Testament. That is a firm foundation to believe that <laughs> by itself. Because God will provide the lamb, not the ram. Yeah. Not the not the, the 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 fake sacrifice that doesn't cover the sins, the lamb. And and that that phrase, what you said just there, that's the fulfillment of that prophecy when Jesus was baptized uh, baptized by John the Baptist. He said, Here is the Lamb. Yeah, to take God. away
0: the sin of the world.
1: Exactly. Exactly, and and, that, and just to just to carry carry it over, the typology and the prophecy of Jesus Christ starts in Genesis one one, and goes all the way to Revelation. Yeah. Everything that, and I'm not one who espouses to say that a good Christology is that Christ is behind every sentence of the Old Testament. I don't agree with that necessarily. I do agree that every major biblical character that was mentioned and by character i mean the story of the person that actually existed because i want to make it very clear it happened or else we wouldn't be reading about it there's some people who say oh it's just a character in a story it's like a parable it didn't really happen i i don't want to confuse anybody in that way but When you can trace the genealogy of Jesus Christ from Adam all the way through history to Jesus Christ himself, you'll see that most of the books of the Bible have that in that purpose to keep that Christology alive. To keep the original prophecy given by Christ to Adam and Eve in the condemnation of the snake snake, where your seed will be born and bruise the head of the snake. Then say, completely uh, uh, kill the snake because the, the, the devil is still around today. The devil won't be around after the thousand years, and he's cast into the lake of fire. That's very. That's another critical view for those who say, "Well, you're uh, a premillennialist or an amillennialist. We're living in Christ's kingdom now." I want to make that very clear too. If we say that we're living in Christ's kingdom now then there wouldn't be the existence of us, the church here in the presence, uh, that there wouldn't be the existence of the devil because he is restrained for at least, for a thousand years. That means the devil's not doing the temptation. People are falling in their sin in the millennial kingdom because they're fallen. That's the prescription. They, they, they don't espouse to believe in, in the cross or believe in, the, in Christ, and he's even living with us in in that millennial kingdom. And by us, I mean those who are carried through. We're going to be on on Christ's side of of the coming of the millennial kingdom, not not living here on earth. I want to make that clear, too.
0: <laughs> oh, dude. So I would like to um, have some time to get into that stuff and, and to dive in um, and, and to really talk about it. I, it if, if you ever want to do this again, I'd love to do that. I would um, love
1: to. I I would love, and, and you see, I, I know it's getting late for people. I could talk for hours. Dude, and my wife's over here. She's like, "Oh gosh, here he goes again."
0: <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. We've been going for an hour and a half. Um, so I, I think that when when we get together the next time, I think we can pick up at Daniel's 70th week. So obviously, yes. you've got you've got a huge differentiation here, and what you're describing can all be summed up in Daniel's 70th week. And uh, really what that means for Israel, what that means for the church. But let me ask you this. I want to give you the last word for our viewers, and then I'm going to switch over to our closing scene. Uh, The whole point of this video is to show you, Ethan, as a Messianic Jew who who converted to Christianity by reading the Bible and uh, coming into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You mentioned Isaiah 53. You mentioned Psalm 22. You mentioned the four Gospels. And... uh, uh, I think that we've, we've done a lot. We've cleared up a lot of things. I think we've, we've, we've given a very clear presentation about what the gospel is, but um, let's say that there's a Jewish person who's listening to this and they say, okay, so Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 and the four gospels is talking about Jesus and he is the son of God. Well, what does it matter to me? If you could answer that question right there, what does it matter to me? And answer that question. What does Jesus matter to me as a Jew who's watching this? And and ultimately, I think what it boils down to to answer this is, is um, d- did Jesus really rise from the dead? Because if he didn't rise, he wasn't the Son of God. If he didn't rise, he's not the Savior. Mm. If he didn't rise, he is not the Messiah. So uh, mm-hmm. why don't you get the last word and just kind of sum that thing up there for someone who might be on the fence that wants an answer to that.
1: Uh, oh, thank you. I will gladly take that for the Jew that's watching, and even for the non-believer that's watching. Let me tell you how glorious it is that while we were still sinning, God loved us enough to forgive us of our sins. That God wants to have a relationship with you. For you, my, 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 my Jewish brother by blood, let me tell you this it doesn't matter how hard you try you're not going to receive God's favor on your own will and for you that is actually questioning I want this I want to have this feeling of security I want to have this feeling of comfort and peace knowing that God actually has a relationship with me Know this, that Christ died, Yeshua HaMashiach died for you as a sacrifice for your sins, so that you can stand justfully before the most holy living God, that he can make you holy enough to approach the throne. You won't fall like Isaiah fell. You won't fall like Ezekiel fell. You will rise And Live in the presence of the holy and living God. You will be able to talk with God the way Moses talked with God You'll be able to walk with God the way Adam and Eve walked with God the way Enoch walked with God and you will be Protected like Noah was protected in the flood For you the unbeliever. Let me tell you this You are bound for hell You are bound for an eternity of damnation. And God loves you so much. He sent his son to die so that you will not perish. That means you will live with him, even in your sins. He forgives your sins. You as a sinner, he forgives you. Because he wants to have a relationship with you. A personal, real relationship. And I encourage you to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ... Trust and believe in faith that that sacrifice happened for you, so that you shall not perish, but have eternal life.
0: Amen, man. Hey, uh, thanks again, Ethan, for coming on. I'd love to have you again. We can get into some of these uh, some of these topics that we were that we were um, we were we were wanting to get into. Daniel seventieth week pre-trib rapture. I, there's, I mean, gosh, man, there is so many things uh, that. <laughs> That you can talk about in the Bible, and it never gets old. You can lose track of time and just have a blast doing it. Uh, and I've had a great time here with you tonight. Um, we can lose track of time again next time. And do it again, so. <laughs> Absolutely,
1: you know. And, and just to just to just to edify you, how deep is the mind of God that we will never reach the bottom? Because. Nope. Once we find an answer to one thing, then we're going to look for the uh, other answer. And the more you research the scripture, the more you find the depth, the universal size, the infinite, just crazy eternal size that is God. And that's what walking with the Lord is, is just getting lost just so that you can glorify him because that's what our purpose is, to glorify God forever and ever and ever. I'm
0: gonna yeah. piggyback on that real quick. Then I'm gonna go to my closing scene and talk to you, uh, you all in the audience, real quick. Uh, what, what Ethan just described there, uh, my grandpa, um, wh- whether he was saved in the in, in, in the past or not, um, he doesn't watch these videos. For all that I know, um, my grandpa is somebody who I pray for uh, all the time. Um, but we got to have a conversation about the one uh, about the Bible one time in my entire life. And uh, he told me, this is what he told me, if you can provide an answer to me about the vastness of this universe and show how we are significant in it, then I might be willing to listen to what you have to tell me about Jesus as God. And and that's what it boils down to. What Ethan is saying is just as vast as the Word of God is in the mind of Christ, because the Word of God is the mind of Christ, you can never exhaust it. It's, It's inexhaustible. This universe is a picture of the vastness of the Word of God itself. It's endless. It's timeless. It's, it's, it's. I mean, it's not timeless because it had a beginning. But um, <laughs> about myself there. But what I'm, what I'm getting at, guys, is, is Jesus Christ, is God manifest in the flesh, as, as inexhaustible as the mind of God is. If you can come to that grasping point right there. It's mm-hmm. the beginning of your walk with God. Jesus Absolutely. Christ is God. And and mm-hmm. for those of you who have never considered that, um, really look into what it means to be the Son of God. Um, Absolutely. That, that's claiming God is in the flesh, and that was Jesus Christ. And He came, He was born of a virgin, and uh, He died for you personally. He bore your sins on that cross. Ephesians 3, or Ephesians 4 tells us that He took those sins And uh, he took him to the heart of the earth, which we know is is where hell is. He took your place in hell, and he dropped your sins off there, and he rose. uh, He brought captivity captive with him, and he rose again on the third day on his own power. That is the gospel, man, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ for you. Praise God. And uh, that's the beginning, man. This could be the beginning of your walk. Uh, Reach out to me. Reach out to Ethan. Ethan, what is your Twitter handle for those who are watching?
1: Oh, Is son of David and it's a capital D capital V okay Uh, in David 512 you you can look at most of uh, Josh's recent uh, Twitter feeds you'll see me there Uh, there'll be the little the Bible with the star of David with the cross Uh, I'm very approachable and I'm very passionate about uh, about my studies my walk with the Lord because I I love the Lord uh, I love him more than I love anything else uh, in this world. I, I would rather talk about this until the day that I die in this world. Uh, but uh, and some, I'm just as fallible as anybody else. I'm going to make mistakes on Twitter, and for those who are watching, I, I might have offended. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I get lost in my my uh, passion, uh, but uh, just know that I, I I embrace anybody who confesses Jesus Christ crucified as a brother in the Lord. Regardless of your soteriology, regardless of your uh, doxology, unless it's a her- heretical doxology, I will, I will, I will fight yeah. against it completely. But I will be lovingly uh, uh, to you, uh, and I, I will show you in the Scripture uh, why I believe what I believe because that's that's yeah. the baseline for what I believe.
0: You know what I think is great about uh, and other brothers and, and the Lord, and, and from my own perspective, is. Uh, in You fight just like brothers, and uh, (laughs) I don't have any problem with it, man. Call me out when I'm wrong. I mean, if I'm doing something wrong and I need to be corrected, I mean, point it out to me. I'm pretty hard-headed, so you might have to use some harsh language to get my attention. That's just the way I am. Uh, yeah, but you know what? I'm good with it. I'm not. I, I think we need to quit being so thin-skinned as Christians. I think oh, that absolutely. Twitter and these online platforms have a really good tendency to just kind of do a drive-by shooting and blast a brother, <laughs> and then you know you don't know <laughs> hey, who I am, and I'm block, gone.
1: That block button is so popular, you know. Oh, I don't like what you're saying. Block.
0: I'm yeah, not going to listen. Yeah. You know. So, you know what? I've offended people. I've got some brothers in the Lord who have blocked me and then unblocked me and we're friends again. So, you know what? That's just, that's relationships, man. I love you guys. Absolutely. And we'll grow together. So, hey, Ethan, thanks again, man. You have a good night. We'll do it again soon. You too. May God bless you and may God
1: bless all who are, who is listening to this. How good are the feet of those who bring good news? Remember that. How good are the feet of those who bring good news? God bless you. Have a Thanks great man. night.
0: Hey, you too. Hey, I'm gonna cut to my closing scene for those of you who are still on, and uh, let's we'll wrap it up from here. But hey, guys, it was a good time. I had a lot of fun with you tonight. Uh, Ethan's a good guy, man. He loves the Lord and uh, he loves the he loves the Word of God. Uh, we don't agree on everything, but you know what? That's all right. We're brothers in Christ. Uh, we love each other as brothers in the Lord. And uh, he can call me out. You can call me out. I don't care. If I'm wrong, correct me. I just want the truth, man. If And, and if I think I've got the truth, that's what I'm going to present to you. Um, stay tuned, guys. I'm going to be doing a book review. Um, a guy named... Uh, what's his name? Alan. I I can't, I can't think of his last name. He wrote a book. It's called from death to life. Um, he wants me to review it. He's a Calvinist. He's a five point Calvinist. He's a Lordship salvation guy. And I mean like a true Lordship salvation guy. We're going to talk about it and, uh, hopefully I'll get to that next week. Um, I still am waiting to hear back from Doug Stoffer. I'm not sure if it's going to happen. I know he's got a lot of things on his plate. We were going to do a series on dispensationalism, and uh, I, he wanted me to write up some questions for him. I, I ended up with 24 pages of things that um, we could talk about and do a series if we wanted to. But uh, stay tuned for that. I'll give you a date. Uh, but other than that, um, we've got we've got some uh, some stuff that I'm going to put up there and put out in the next few weeks. So should be good. Thanks for viewing. And uh, please, guys, if you think it's edifying and beneficial, um, share it with your friends. Just like it, share it, subscribe. Um, New channel, we're growing, but um, you know what? I enjoy it. It's a hobby for me and something that I think is a good way to put the gospel out and to take a stand for the faith. And if you're watching this and you want to come on and you've got something that you want to dialogue about, hey, you know what? I'm open for it. Um, As long as you're not, you know, some somebody who just wants to come on and argue. So have a good one, guys. God bless you. We'll catch up with you soon for the next one. Have a good night.